know, sometimes you just have to speak to an old-time Southerner to get some sage advice. I love John Kennedy from Louisiana. We don't have a gun problem in this country. We have an idiot problem. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of National Preview Online, the NPO podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so in one of three easy, easy ways. You can simply go to your native uh, app store, whether it be the iTunes app store or the Google Play store, depending which device you use, and download the NP podcast, or rather subscribe to the NP podcast. Uh, if you'd rather use a third-party podcast aggregator app, then download the free Podbean app, and you can subscribe to the show that way. Either way, the major benefit of subscribing, it's completely free, regardless of which way you do it, but you will always be notified whenever a new episode of the show is uploaded. You can also leave comments and leave reviews of the show, and we really would love for you to do that. That's the best way to grow the show, getting reviews from all of you, a kind comment here and there, and the more activity we achieve and the more advertising we can hopefully attract, the more offerings we can give. We have call-in lines and things like that. So we're looking to grow the show, and we need your help to do it, your continued support. Please send this out to your friends, send the links out, and uh, it will grow. So John Kennedy said that uh, in response to the shootings that took place, one last week in Atlanta and one this past Monday in Colorado, that he doesn't believe gun control bills are the solution to gun violence. He says what needs to be done is idiot control instead of gun control. I don't believe we have a gun control problem in America. I believe we have an idiot control problem. The objective should be to how to control the idiots who abuse guns. The objective should not be how to get rid of the Second Amendment. Uh, This Kennedy came out with in response to Joe Biden's call for a ban on assault weapons. Now, we talked about this on the previous episode, uh, but this happens every time there's a shooting because they want to get people armored about mass shootings to the point where they think they need to have wholesale changes in the law. Now, part of this is the propaganda. Now, I explained in the last episode the reason why this happens so often and why it seems apparently so effective is because you're not getting real news because we don't have a real news um, or free press in this country anymore. We have propagandists and ideologues masquerading as journalists in the media. All of them have an axe to grind. Even the venerable Fox News, which was the fair and balanced, which everybody said it was a right-wing um, news organization. It really wasn't. Um, It may have been owned by a man who was politically conservative at the time, Rupert Murdoch. But the fact that so many of the other agencies, uh, really all of them, NBC, CBS, ABC, the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, on and on and on, the LA Times, the Washington Post, were all so uber left. The minute somebody came out with a news organization that sort of looked at things down the middle, they appeared to be right because the, the center no longer existed. People always looked to the mainstream media as down-the-road journalism with that marking the center. Well, when you establish a new center by moving everything to the left and anything 
to the right of the left, even though it may still be left of center or in the center, looked, is looked upon as the right. It's just called moving the goalpost. That's all that's there. But Kennedy came hard and fast against this, and I, I love Kennedy. He's a, he's a good old man, and he, uh, he has the, that Southern wit and that Southern reasoning. He's not a racist in any way. He's just a common-sense kind of guy. That's something that, unfortunately, is increasingly uncommon in our country today. Now, speaking of idiots, the idiot in this particular case, the one on Monday, has been identified as 21-year-old Ahmad al-Alawi al-Isa. That's a mouthful. I hate to write it on checks, but I doubt he writes very many. I bet he steals quite a few, but I doubt he writes very many. Uh, He's the one that's responsible for the shooting that left 10 people dead in Boulder, Colorado. It's always amazing to me how these things happen in Colorado. It's a very liberal state. Perhaps if people were allowed to carry guns out there, uh, you wouldn't have this. You notice you don't see these mass shootings happening in Arizona, you know, where people go to the supermarket with guns strapped to their sides. The more people carry guns, the less you have of these cases. What was that case in the church in Texas where a guy tried to shoot somebody and he shot one person? It was a guy there with a gun. Put that thing to an end. Otherwise, you might have had... 30, 40, 50, 60 patrons or 60 parishioners dead in that church shooting. But the Boulder chief of police, Maris Harold, identified this man, uh, saying that um, he wants to convey his sorrow to the community. This guy obviously was antisocial. Um, the man who gunned them down will be fully responsible. That's usually the same drivel you get. Uh, the suspect is very antisocial and paranoid. This we learned from his brother, who told a news outlet that, knowing that he would often remark that he was being chased. Someone is behind him. Someone is looking for him. Well, when he was having lunch with my sister in a restaurant, he said, people are in the parking lot. They are looking for me. She went out and there was no one there. So we have a man who's out of his mind doing these things. Now, what makes you think that when you have someone so mentally disturbed, so mentally disoriented, that they've suffered a complete break with reality. Complete break. What makes you think that any laws you pass are going to alter their behavior? As I said in yesterday's show, locks were made for honest people, and so were laws. Laws have two functions. The first function is to discourage behavior by their very existence. Law-abiding citizens who now know something is against the law no longer engage in it. If marijuana was legal and then was illegal, there are a certain number of people who would not use it because they don't violate the law. There are others, of course, who would still use it. Once something's against the law, the majority of people will not do it. The other function of the law, as I said yesterday, is to fashion punishment for people who violate those laws. People who are prone to violate the law or people who have no regard for the law are only affected by the second factor governing the reasons for laws. They're only affected by the punishment. It doesn't do anything to prevent them. So you can pass all the assault weapons bans you want. You can pass all the firearms restrictions you want. The only people who are going to be restricted or affected by those bans are people who are willing to obey the laws in the first place. And people who are willing to obey the law 
are not the sort of people you have to worry about showing up in places and engaging in mass shootings. It's lunatics like this. So again, Senator Kennedy's advice was quite to the point and very on the mark. It's amazing to me how a a senator with such common sense could have the same last name of a senator who was such a blithering idiot, Ted Kennedy. What a contemptible person he was. But this is just part of what's going on. One of the other things that's going on today, I noticed it uh, earlier looking over some YouTube footage, is that Governor Kristi Noem, the conservative governor in South Dakota, a state that is completely under Republican control, has come under criticism. Now, I, I must say, I was a little disappointed in Tucker Carlson last night. Tucker Carlson had Kristi Noem on his show, and he was trying to put her on the, on the spot, saying that I don't understand how you were ready to support this bill that was passed by the legislature in your state. You said you were anxious to sign it, and then you pulled back and decided you didn't want to sign it. Uh, it was a bill that would prevent biological males from competing in women's sports to protect the integrity of women's sports. And she was going to, to do it, and then she said she wasn't going to do it. And Carlson was trying to portray her as waffling, and that's the reason why she didn't sign it. That's not uh, why she didn't sign it. Now, I thought that Governor Nome could have been a little more forceful uh, in explaining exactly why. I think the nuances of what she was saying might have been lost on some people. So the, I'm just going to put it in, in more plain language. She's very ladylike, uh, Governor Nome, And uh, so I didn't think she wanted to appear uh, confrontational when there was no need to be. Governor Nome has been advised by legal scholars that it would have been ill-advised for her to sign that bill and pass it into law because that the existence, the very existence of that law would have made the state of South Dakota a target for the NCAA. Now, the NCAA is the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Now, they regulate all uh, sports at the collegiate level in this country. They're also very political because we know that academia is a bastion for the leftists and the liberals. They're all in favor of this nonsense of having biological males competing in women's sports. And when you consider it, it's pretty prejudicial because there's no advantage to a woman, a biological woman competing in a man's sport. She's going to get blown away 99% of the time. So it's a one-way valve, and it really, really is, is contemptible, really. It's a way of taking male athletes who really aren't good enough to cut it and then making them preeminent in the sport because you're going to let them play with the girls. That's like having uh, high school students play football against a junior high school team. I mean, come on. It's just common sense tells you this is ridiculous. But in any event, Governor Noem felt, after listening to the legal scholars, that if she passed this law, the NCAA would litigate against the state of South Dakota and probably win. And there was no way to pass such a law without putting the state at risk. And then the NCAA would forbid... Um, the state of South Dakota from allowing these um, contests to take place, and then other states would do it instead. So now what Governor Nome has decided to do is to form a coalition, defend Title IX to protect the rights of female athletes. This coalition will consist of athletes, leaders, and everyone who cares about protecting women's sports. He's going to bring other states on board so that 
the NCAA doesn't have so many alternatives to go to if uh, if these states all band together and say, we're not, we're not buying this. We're not allowing this. They're going to leave very few places for the NCAA to ply their trade. Once we have enough states on board, said Go- Governor Nome, a coalition brought big enough where the NCAA cannot possibly punish us all, then we can guarantee fairness at the collegiate level. Nome said after consulting legal scholars, she decided that the coalition to protect Title IX will be far more effective and cost-efficient than getting into a legal battle about transgender women playing on female sports teams. Quote, we've been trying to figure out how to defend women's sports effectively. These legal scholars think that South Dakota's chances of winning a lawsuit against the NCAA are very low. When it comes to this issue, if South Dakota passes a law that's against their policy, they will likely take punitive action against us. Recently, a letter signed by more than 500 college athletes was sent to the NCAA, urging the organization to only operate championships and events in states that promote an inclusive atmosphere. So you see, Christy Nome is no fool. She's not waffling in any way. Christy Nome wants to protect women's sports, and she's going about it in an intelligent fashion, one whereby she thinks that she can prevail. Apparently, to date, close to 20 states have introduced legislation barring biological males from competing on female teams, including recently Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves, who signed such a bill for his state, is likely to be sued by civil rights and private organizations like the NCAA. Idaho was sued last year for such a bill. So Nome knows what she's trying to do. She's seen the handwriting on the wall in other states, and she's trying to get around it, and I applaud her for it. There's a woman thinking outside the box. Instead of being ridiculed by Tucker Carlson and put on the spot, she should be applauded for what she's trying to do. Governor, you have my support, and you'll always have the support of the MPO podcast. Now, lastly, I wanted to touch on something I touched on yesterday. I made um, an observation about the border crisis and how there were kids lying on mattresses, shoulder to shoulder, covered in those cheap space blankets that you can get for survival, uh, wearing masks, big deal. But they're shoulder to shoulder, and they're lumped in pens like sardines. There's no social distancing going on, and there's no COVID testing, to my knowledge. And uh, everything you could possibly want to incubate a virus and spread it is present in these facilities. But you don't know about it because they don't want many cameras getting in there. Now, a a shot got out, I think from a Border Patrol uh, agent released that shot. That's how we know about it. But the media has been banned. Now, isn't that interesting? The Biden administration has banned the media from the border. Now, if Trump was caught doing this, you'd hear no end of it. And this has raised the angst and the ire of Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. She called the ban on media at the border unjustified, completely unjustified. She said that on March 23rd, well, I'm sorry, on March 23rd, she said that she didn't see anything during her time in Arizona on March 21st to justify barring journalists from covering the growing crisis at the U.S. border area with Mexico. Quote, I didn't see anything that would justify keeping the media out. Media embed in war zones. They do that. 
and they do it well. This is what Blackburn told reporters during a telephone news conference. So I can't imagine why there would be this push to keep media out other than they just don't want people reporting on what's going on. Well, that is exactly right. That is exactly it. They don't want people reporting what's going on. The Biden administration, the people who accuse Trump of all manner of of, uh, hypocrisy, the Biden administration, the transparent Biden administration, we're going to be with the people. Unity, unity, unity. God forbid you should see and know that the Biden administration is doing things that the Trump administration never did. They don't want you to know that they're doing these things. They only want you to know that President Trump is doing certain things. They don't want you to know it. President Trump may have been forced to put people in some type of containment because they were people who were criminals that, that violated our border. It's a big difference when you have to put people in pens because they violated your laws and you're trying to process them and send them back from whence they came than being forced to put people in pens because you encourage them to come here in the first place in droves and unmanageable numbers that exceed our capacity to deal with. That's exactly what's happened here. That is exactly what's happened here. Make no mistake about it. Now, of course, there are people that talk about, well, you're separating families, you're breaking up families, you're separating children. Let me tell you something, you stupid fools on the left that spout this sort of fatuous nonsense. Here in the United States, go for a little road trip with the family. I'll make it easy for you. You're going across country. Okay, you live in New York. You're driving to California. All of a sudden, you had a little too much to drink at the last stop you made with the family. You get pulled over by a police officer in Kansas. And you're arrested for DWI. Maybe you have a previous conviction for DWI. Maybe you're wanted on a warrant for some petty offense back in New York. And you have your children with you. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to go to jail. Until you get an arraignment. Maybe you get bail. Your children can't go to jail with you. So what is the state of Kansas supposed to do? Well, if you were arrested locally where you lived, they would probably call relatives if they could. If you had another relative with you, they would get custody of the children. But if that option wasn't available, they would do what the state of Kansas would probably have to do in the hypothetical I just put forth. They would have social services come in or whatever their equivalent is of social services out there. And your children would be placed in foster care until such time as you were released from jail after your arraignment. Does anybody expect anything different would happen than that? If you do, you're smoking crack. So why, why are you aghast at that people violate our laws and come here and that the children have to be separated from the adults? What do you think this is, an encounter group? People come here and camp out in these border patrol facilities while waiting to get into the country? This is why you don't encourage this. As I said in yesterday's show, they've encouraged it so much that you have a man coming with his family from Brazil, traveling through seven countries before he comes to ask for asylum here. When under international law, you're supposed to ask for asylum and and apply for asylum in the first country you reach where you are not persecuted. You're trying to tell me that this man going from Brazil is going to be persecuted in Colombia, Panama, El Salvador, uh, 
Nicaragua, Honduras, Mexico, Guatemala. I mean, give me a break. But this is what you have here. So Senator Blackburn is right on it. She's right on it. Now, The Hill is reporting that more than 15,000 unaccompanied minors are said to have been processed thus far by U.S. border immigration officials since Biden has come into office and written these executive orders. Most of them have not been tested for the coronavirus, and they're being released into the U.S. interior. Meanwhile, as I said last week, your children still can't go to school. But these third-world anchors are allowed to come here. The Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on CNN on March 21st that reporters won't be allowed until the federal government can guarantee their safety from the virus. Quote, we are in the midst of a pandemic. We are dealing with crowded border patrol facilities. We are focused on our operations and the needs of the children. At the same time, we are working to provide access to those border patrol facilities when we can do so in a safe manner, Mayorka said on State of the Union. Bullshit. They don't want the media in there because they don't want to see you, the rat holes they have these people in. And that is the only reason. This nonsense about the... See, they're going to milk the... See, liberals do this all the time. They're going to milk this coronavirus as an excuse to do anything and everything they can. Now they're using it to justify censorship. They were so concerned, these liberal Democrats, about your safety. That's why when Il Duce decided to shut down all businesses in New York State and just declare war on the restaurant business and bankrupt them, that he left the subways open. Why do we need public transportation if nobody had any place to go? Nobody can go to work. A lot of social distancing on a New York subway car. Those of you who've never been to New York, you've never seen anything like it. People are literally, literally jammed in like sardines during rush hour. If you get six feet, you don't get six inches. But they're going to use that to justify keeping the media out. And it's contemptible. Ted Cruz weighed in on this, said that denying the press the ability to observe, film, and report on conditions at the border is not openness or transparency. It is hiding the truth from the American people. Cruz demanded that Biden reverse the previous decision and allow journalists to accompany the Texas senator and 14 Senate colleagues on an oversight border visit on March 26th. Mayorkas also said on March 21st that the present border crisis was caused by Trump dismantling the immigration system he inherited from his predecessor. you got to be kidding me. What immigration system? The Obama immigration system? Hey, you want to come in? Hop on over. Hop over the Rio Grande. That was the immigration system under Barack Obama. Trump kept people out. And I'm going to say it again. You have no right. There is no in, um, inalienable right, no justified right for anyone to come to the United States. If you're not a citizen, if you're not here with a visa, if you're not here on vacation and came in through legal channels, you have no right to be in the United States. I don't care how bad things are for you in the home country you come from. I sympathize. But that doesn't uh, confer on us an obligation that we have to take you in. We can take people in as we see fit, and we should be more like Australia. 
I hold Australia out as a shining example. And it's great because they're an island continent and an island nation. Not easy to get in there illegally. Got to cross some big oceans to get to Australia. Can't do that in a small craft like you do coming from Cuba 90 miles to Miami. Can't do it so easy. Australia started out as a penal colony for the British Empire. They sent people far and wide, Irish rebels, Scottish rebels, anybody that caused a problem, sent them to Australia, long swim back to the British Isles from there. Today, you can't get off the plane if you're a felon. It's on your passport. They don't even let you in the country. Sorry, took that 31-hour flight on uh, Qantas. Sorry, turn around, go back to the States, mate. Can't come here. That's Australia. You want to emigrate to Australia? You better have a clean record, and you better have proof that you either have money, so you won't be a burden to the government, you can support yourself, or that you have gainful employment there, and something that the Australian people and the country needs. That's a pretty good reason for having people come in the country. Uh, Trump said the same thing, merit-based immigration. We are not supposed to be in the business of being a vocational training center for every third world dump. I said it before, these people come here, they can't speak English. It's not their fault. But they also aren't fluent in Spanish. They're illiterate. Hand them an application or a form to fill out in English, they understandably can't fill it out. I understand that. I'd be in the same position if I went to Mexico or any Latin country and was asked to fill out a form in Spanish. I can't do it. But give me that form in English, as I've said many times, and I can fill it out. The problem is, you give these people the same form, in Spanish, their native tongue, and they still can't fill it out because they can't read. They're illiterate. So let me get this straight. We're supposed to take people in, anybody that wants to come in here, dumber than shit, ignorant, indigent, and we're supposed to sift resources away from legitimate Americans and give them to these people and elevate them so they can become future Democratic voters. I think not. And you know who ought to be really, really pissed about this? You know who really should be pissed about this? African Americans. Yes, I'm pissed because I have to pay for this with my taxes. But African Americans are the ones who should be pissed. And I'm going to tell you why. There's a big movement in this country to get reparations. It's been for a long time for slavery. Well, that reparations argument is a crock. There's no one alive today who survived from slavery. So there's no one that's been directly affected by it. It's pretty hard to argue that the plight of African Americans has gotten a lot better from the time of slavery to the current day. In fact, it's pretty hard to argue against the fact that the plight of African Americans and their, their lot in life has improved greatly just from the, the 70s to now, let alone from the, the 1870s or the 1860s. Second, there's no one alive today that owns slaves. And most Americans, because of the great immigration we had from Europe in the 1800s and the early 1900s, aren't even the descendants of people who owned slaves. My family was in Europe during the years that slavery took place in the United States. You can't possibly say that Myself or any of my ancestors were responsible for people being enslaved in the United States. Why should I be paying for it? I have no, no fingerprints on this. 
But I submit to you that any attacks that the government may want to oppose or any assessment of the American population to pay reparations is ill-founded. But since the government seems to have so much money around to give to these third world people who have no business coming here in the first place, I think African Americans should rightfully write their congressional representatives, their senators, and say, hey, you know something? Instead of letting all these third world people coming in here to take jobs that don't, don't exist yet, because they're not qualified to do anything, why don't you take all that money, tell them to stay where they are, increase the security on the border, do what Trump did, and throw a little money our way to each African-American family, help us along the way. We certainly could use it, and we're certainly more deserving of it than somebody that has no right to be here in the first place. I like that. I like the way it sounds. I like to stir the pot. Let the fire go back onto the liberals who want to do good for everyone, except the people that they're obligated to do good. American citizens, be they black, white, Hispanic, or purple. It doesn't matter. Call them up. Make them feel the heat. Make them feel the heat. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.